Solutions to Conflict, a podcast exploring how to deal effectively with conflict, actual and potential, good and bad. Engaging guests discuss a range of insights, and I cover tips and topics based on my 35-year fascination with conflict and my experience helping people with it. I'm your host, Jane Bettle, and my goal is to share a perspective on conflict that is both practical and positive. My guest today is Joseph Kuo, the founder of Abundance Wealth Planning, LLC. We talk about inner conflict and motivational interviewing. Hello, Joseph. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Hi. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm looking forward to talking with you. And as we've discussed, I have a particular topic I want to hear more about from you. But first, would you tell us a bit about how you have gotten to where you are today professionally? Thank you. So I am a financial and life planner. And... I personally had a very up and down relationship with money. When I was born, our family was fairly poor, or at least when I was born, our family did not have a lot of wealth. And my father had started a business the year I was born that eventually became quite successful and went public. During my formative years, the family became quite well-to-do. And uh, this was in Taiwan. I, um, I came to the States as the family got the means to send me abroad and studied in the U.S. until around the time when the dot-com bubble burst. Mm. The family business was involved in businesses with China, with investments, a lot of the perfect storm activities that happened with the economy between Taiwan and China that resulted in the company going bankrupt. So my father literally lost the family wealth overnight. (laughs) Then I had to uh, jump in to start building my own life, my own wealth, and uh, went into corporate finance, eventually become a senior director of finance. But then realizing I really didn't like what I was doing and had to make a really tough decision to uh, leave that career to start a new one. And this entire process of experiencing wealth, experiencing a lack of wealth, having to build wealth and having to essentially give it up in order to pursue what is more meaningful to me in life has really informed my view of how it's really not about money, but about how we want to live our life, about what really matters most, who are most important and how wealth can then help us become a resource to help us to get to where we wanna go. So I decided to become a financial life planner because I have come to believe through my own experience that frequently I limit my life's choices based on sometimes financial results, potential financial outcomes, and what I think I will lose and gain financially. And that I finally was able to start living a better quality of life when I'm focusing on the quality of life rather than on the finances and really wanted to work with clients 
and help them see, help them experience uh, more options, more possibilities for really a, a better life, whatever that means to them and to, to explore those choices and to really feel empowered to make a difference in their own lives. I heard something there, Joseph, that just jumped right out to me. And I know it's something we've touched on in, in our conversations. And it's about the idea of what really matters to the client and helping the client figure out what that is. Yeah, I think we are all so busy in our lives and with our responsibilities, obligations, um, people with family, with kids, with responsibilities for their employees and their businesses. Sometimes we're so caught up in the moment that we don't have the time to step back and consciously, intentionally think about what is it that I wanted to get out of this. I think all of us are always doing the best we can to get what we want out of life. It's just that sometimes when we don't stop and think about it more clearly, we end up reacting to what's going on right now rather than intentionally head in the direction that is aligned to where we want to go. Understood. Tell us a little bit about the difference between a financial planner and a financial life planner. Thanks for the question. It is a, it is a, a spectrum. So I, instead of saying it's a, it's a hard difference of a financial planner does this versus that, I would say instead that somebody who has made a conscious choice to focus on finance and life really take into consideration that at the end of the day, the client's here to do something to improve the quality of their life. They may be talking about money, but the reason why money is important is because it can get them something that they really care about, that they really want to experience, the mm-hmm. people that you really want to care for. And so to then having an attention, having a focus to explore what that is so that wealth becomes something that is used to bolster, to elevate, to support the life that we want to live rather than becoming its own goal in itself. I would say that that's the the primary difference between the two. As I think of it, it's easier in a sense to have a score sheet, I'll call it, if the only thing you're keeping track of is how well your portfolio did this hour, this day, this week, this month, this year, as opposed to how is my wealth serving me in those I care about in the life I want to live and the way I want to live it? Yeah, that's such a great way of uh, putting it. it. It is easier to measure wealth well, as how you might measure success, though it is just a proxy. Right? Yes. Uh, at the end, it's really our experience that's going to tell us whether we're happy or not. Yes, It's been a really long time, but way, way back when, when I was an economics major, I remember the concept of utils as a measurement of utility and how good you feel about something and how easy it is for us to use money as a proxy for that. So tell us more about how you came to realize that for you, it was important to do more than simply work on the balance sheet? When I was in corporate finance, I mentioned I was the senior director of finance for a high-tech company. I remember whenever I went to get a physical from work, so I've been working and I need to go to the hospital for some reason and get a physical, I would come back with high blood pressure. Like I would literally go in there, I just have high blood pressure. Mm. If I had 
at least two days off from work before going to the doctors. I have normal blood pressure. And it's stark difference that happened over and over again over the course of 10 years. And I've really come to recognize that I don't enjoy many aspects of the corporate finance world for myself. Mm-hmm. I, I was good at it, but I didn't really enjoy it. And I was doing it more because I know I was good at it. And I was you know, getting the promotions, getting the raises. Well, there was a lot of other things in my life that I was putting off. And... I, interesting, I had hired a financial advisor, not knowing anything about what the profession entailed, like what financial advisors do other than manage money, quite frankly. Right. And at one point we sat down and she kind of asked me, well, you kept talking to me, right? You kept talking about uh, not taking your current income in financial projection going forward because you might change your job. And you kept talking about how you don't like what you're doing. But yet you keep doing it. <laughs> We've been working for a couple of years now and, uh, and you haven't changed. And I'm just wondering because if all you want to do is have enough money to live, I can tell you now that you can move to Thailand and live like a king for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So if you're not willing to do that, it's not because the goal is just to be able to live. There's something else. And so we kind of dive into that question and there's a, a set of essentially life questions that we explore. And really the punchline was, if I were to die tomorrow, what would I regret? Mm. And I realized that what I would regret is I would regret always wanting something more, but never having the courage to go after it. Mm. That I had lived my life in fear because of what I may lose, that I may not be successful in what it is I want to do. And, and so it's just really let it hold me back and settle for a life that is maybe more secure, but not what I want. So that kind of started the the thoughts and the journey on figuring out what it is I really want. And maybe also a realization that many people around me, as I talk to them, that they give many the same answers I did, like they weren't happy with what they were doing. They feel trapped because they don't believe they really have any other choice. Like the sacrifice they will have to make mm, yes. in order to go after what they want would be so great that it's not worth it. Or the fear of the unknown is so great that they're willing to take kind of the dissatisfaction with the known rather than to uh, go after the potentials in the unknown. So as I uh, left my corporate job, started thinking about what I want to do next, I started diving into things like nonviolent communication. You know, my, my financial advisor had inspired me to look into the field of financial advising and financial planning as something that I potentially want to do. And I never really learned how to speak to others about their values, the core values, what is their wanting and needing, and how to facilitate that self-discovery process within myself and with others. And so nonviolent communication is one thing that I had started taking to, to learn more about that which then led me to the field of motivational interviewing, which I'll be happy to talk about a bit more. But specifically to answer your question, it is in those maybe discoveries within myself and practice with others that I realized how much many of us censor ourselves from what we really want because we 
maybe we don't see that there's any other options or that we are comfortable with where we are now. We may not be happy, but we are comfortable. Right. And is there a way for me to help people who are ready to say, okay, the comfort is no longer enough. I want more out of life. Is there someone who can support me, who can help me realize what's going to be even better for me? It's what's going to be more exciting, more fulfilling, more joy. And how can I really support clients in a way that really matters? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really going to make a difference in their lives. I have a background in finance. I really enjoy uh, numbers and I had enjoyed the financial planning experience I had with my financial advisor. And so I really wanted to find the opportunity and find the venue to combine aspects of financial planning and aspects of life planning, kind of the process of self-discovery into creating a practice to help clients really design, create and live a life. That's really, I guess I, I, I would just use a word, like it, there really is a difference. There really is an impact in the work we do in elevating the life that my clients live. How great is that? Who could argue with a wonderful outcome of one's work like that one? What I'm hearing that I find so satisfying, because obviously my perspective is all about conflict, is I hear the internal conflict of well, this is what I think I want to do, but I don't actually do it. I'm not sure what I want to do, but I think it's not this. And also the experience that you had as a younger person of your family having financial success and then it disappears so very quickly. And then that you would have the academic qualifications that you do and then kind of work your way through. But this is not exactly where I want to be. What you have shared, I think, is something lots of people can identify with. Maybe not exactly the same path, but some great similarities that then can lead to, I can do better at this. I can get closer to what I really want to do with my life. So I do want to hear more about motivational interviewing. When we talked about it a little bit, I thought, wow, this sounds to me like a very powerful way for people to figure out their own way forward with the help of someone like you. So tell us, if you will, a bit about how you got involved and where this whole idea came from originally. Motivational interviewing was something that was developed by uh, doctors William Miller and Stephen Rolnick. So they were primarily involved in the fields of substance abuse. When Bill Miller started practicing, um, he was hearing a lot of things that Klein was saying and so touched and so perhaps a little overwhelmed by what the clients were saying that he didn't really know what to say. So he decided just listen. Mm. And then realizing what the impact it was to just listen and, and for a person to feel that they were heard. And so motivational interviewing may have gotten a start from substance abuse. But a lot of the concepts from there is really applicable to many aspects of life. This idea that frequently when people are ambivalent, when they're struggling with the decision they're having to make, or they're, if you will, different voices, different priorities within themselves are arguing with each other. The clients frequently already have a good idea of all the pros and cons. And they just can't quite get to the point where they make a decision to actually do something about it. 
when we were to go and start advocating for one side of the equation, so for example, smoking or not smoking, uh, when the smoker is really struggling with not smoking, chances are the smoker's already got a lot of good reason why he or she is thinking about quitting in the first place. Mm -hmm. For somebody to go in and start giving all the reasons over again well, why you should quit, it's very natural for this person who's been struggling with these arguments within themselves to automatically take on the opposing voice. Right? So when that is very well, the proverbial angel is speaking to, you know, quitting smoking for health reasons, family reasons the client then take on the devil's advocate to then talk about all the reasons why he hasn't, right? To justify why he hasn't made the, the change. Very interesting. Oh, I love this. This is fascinating. Okay, go ahead. And so, and so what happens is that you create a situation where the client is articulating for themselves all the reasons why not. And so you keep <laughs> hearing things like, yes, but, however, I try that, right? So what science and what um, research have found is that when people start, start articulating something for themselves, they talk themselves into what they're saying. And so when the client's having to advocate for why they can't quit smoking, they talk themselves into believing that they can't quit smoking. Mm. And so instead of having a conversation of trying to lecture, to tell, to just force, or even to just advise clients on what to do, before the clients felt really heard, then we put clients to a situation where they're defending themselves. And what I found is that you know, while that may have come from substance abuse, it does apply to many different aspects of life. For example, if I were to work with a client, let's use a, a straightforward example. Let's say a client decided that uh, she wants to retire at age 55 and she's got a, you know, a business that's doing well. She's making a good amount of money, but she finds herself spending a lot of it because work is stressful and there's a lot of family, friends that she wants to be with and not also and she's spending a lot of the money that she's making. And so at one time, she wants to be able to retire early so she doesn't have to work so hard and be stressed. On the other hand, she wants to be, have a way of decompress right now while she is stressed so that right. may involve spending some money to enjoy herself. And to give her the pros and cons of these, I'm just going to essentially put her on the same path or having to justify why it is that she's doing what she's doing. Okay. So instead, if we were to simply have a conversation around how it is for you, like you're here not having the conversation with me or you're struggling with this because while you're spending money doing the things that help you relax and help you enjoy your life now, you're also feeling some negative emotions and some maybe some shame, some guilt around not saving enough money for this long-term goal of being able to start enjoying life the way you really want to enjoy it, you know, maybe around age 55. So then you start the conversation with the client on why it is so important for them to retire 55. What are all the things that they're looking forward to do? Mm -hmm. What are those dreams? Now, what are the, the things that are most important, the people that are important in their life, what she could do with them? once she can get to a point where she's going to have more time and more energy, more emotion to relax and just be with the ones that she loves. And then we start having her articulate why it is so important for her to start investing for the future, to start planning for those goals that are really important. So there is a way to have these conversations 
to really hear what is important for the client, to acknowledge that it is not easy, to acknowledge that there's certain things that she really enjoys now, and maybe open that possibility that there's different ways for you to get what you really want today in a way that feels good, in a way that you're going to be happy with, while also planning for the future at the same time. Well, that sounds great. Instead of you must choose or you've allowed yourself to think you must choose. You can't have both of these. This is a way to help someone think more clearly about the motivation, I'm guessing, of well, what is it I want to do when I retire, for example? Why is it that I want to be able to retire when I do? Yeah. Um, sometimes when you think about kids, right? when kids really want something and the parents might say no, the kids will start coming up with all the reasons why what they want makes sense. And as parents put roadblocks in the way of, but, about, but what about this, but what about that? The kids are incredibly resourceful in coming up with why these obstacles could be overcome, why they are not important, <laughs> and being creative about solutions. Right. And, and somewhere along the line, as, we, as adults, sometimes we seem to lose some of those abilities, or sometimes we become blinded to them because we believe the choices in our lives are set in stone and there aren't those options there. There's A or B, you know, B or C. And motivational interviewing sometimes is a way to re-engage that part of us that says, you know what, this is important to me. I'm going to figure out how to do this. And being resourceful, taking all of that we are into figuring out how we're going to do this in a way that's going to be sustainable and that we're going to be able to enjoy as much as we can along the way. This sounds so very positive and supportive that the role that you play is one that allows the client to go where the client wants to go with a better understanding of what that is with a lot of support. Yeah, um, thank you. The, I think one of the things that you know, in recent years we've found is that willpower is an exhaustible resource. Right? You get, it's, a, it's a muscle you can build on, but at the same time, muscles get fatigued. And so frequently to use negative reinforcements to get people to use their willpower to do something, there's a limit on how much that can go, right? It, it may be a good place to help people get the energy to get started, but in order for something to be sustaining, it really has to be more than just willpower. There has to be a draw. There has to be an attraction that's pulling at me to go in this direction so that I don't have to keep pushing myself to go there. As you're describing this, it sounds as if it's the sort of technique that can be helpful at very different points in someone's life. And it doesn't require a big crisis or necessarily even a transition as much as maybe a, a willingness to take a look at the situation and say, well, how come I'm still not going the direction I feel like I want to go in? Yeah, it is my, my hope that client doesn't need to be in a crisis. <laughs> to, I mean, the, the idea is that if we can start moving in the direction that we want to go so that the old adage of percent improvement every day and you compound it over time, you're going to have a huge, huge difference in your life, uh, not too distant in the future. And so to find those moments to find those opportunities to engage in the conversation and help provide more clarity and more motivation for clients to do things for their own reasons. And, and I would say that the most difficult part for me to help facilitate, facilitate these conversations to be in that space is really a lot of internal work within myself mm -hmm. 
because we can't help but have perspectives and preferences. Right? I'm looking through the world through my own lens. Sure. And uh, in those moments with clients to facilitate a conversation, it requires so much focus to believe that the clients have the wisdom within themselves, that they're complete as they are right now. And all that I am really doing is brushing the debris, the cobwebs away, and the clients will be able to find their own path. Like this idea of curling, uh, which admittedly I only watched during uh, Olympics, <laughs> where <laughs> somebody pushed the stone, is that what it's called? I believe it is. <laughs> and, then, and then there's a whole, there's a group of people on the front brushing everything out of the way frantically so that the stone can keep going in the direction that it's going. And there's no pushing, there's no pulling, they're just clearing the debris out of the way so that there is a clear direction for the client to move forward for their own reasons. Joseph, what a fabulous image. I am enjoying that thoroughly. We have just begun to touch on this idea of motivational interviewing and the work that you do for your clients, but I'm glad that we could at least have a, a taste, an introduction for folks to learn a little bit more about you and your work. In order to learn more, how would people get in touch with you? My name is uh, Joseph Kuo, K-U-O is my last name, and my firm is called Abundance Wealth Planning. People can reach me at Joseph at AbundanceWP.com, or they're welcome to call. My number is Erico 510-933-8347. And also, if they're interested in learning more about motivational interviewing, there is the Motivational Interviewing Network of Trainers that you can Google to learn more about it. But I'm be very happy to speak with anybody who contact uh, to talk more about motivational interviewing, how that's helped me, and uh, why I really, really <laughs> enjoy and believe in this so much. Thank you. I, of course, will put that information in the show notes for this episode. Joseph, it's been great to talk with you and learn more about your path and about this particular technique that you have embraced. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And it was a pleasure being here. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Crafting Solutions to Conflict podcast, please share it. Leave a rating or review. Subscribe through one of the major apps. For anyone new to podcasts, here's something you may not know. Subscribing is free. You can also find the show at CraftingSolutionsToConflict.com. Comments or ideas? Let me know. Until next time, I'm Jane Bettle.